0: Welcome to the Court to Corporate podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Porter. On this show, we sit down with current and former athletes to discuss their personal playbooks and dive deeper into how it has translated into success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. You can find this podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at courttocorporate.com. Court to Corporate is all about amplifying the journey of athletes in corporate America and showcasing how your athletic influence can serve to build your path. Stay up to date with more content and perspectives across all of our social platforms. These will be linked in the show notes or they can be found on our website. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. What's up everyone okay so as mentioned today we're kicking off the first part of our recruiting season series so we split this up so that the first part is all about how athletes can navigate the upfront of the recruiting process so the networking the panels the workshops and how you can set yourself up for success entering the next door so i thought there'd be no better way to tackle this than with two people who have experience on both sides of the game so two former ballers that are now building their careers in the HR and talent acquisition fields, and also who I had the pleasure of playing against for four years. So today's episode is with Janae Dennis, a Cornell women's basketball alum who is now working at HR at Capital One. And actually, she just began her rotation in recruiting, so like I said, (laughs) there is no better way. Sometimes the stars just align. I'll start by saying we get through a lot in this episode and drop some serious gems along the way. At a certain point, Janae literally goes through her elevator pitch from how she would start the conversation with recruiters and then carry it and get her three main points across. So take that as you will. Overall, we kick off this episode by just starting with her time at Cornell, why she fell in love with the HR profession, and also perspective for how she's bouncing her work ethic early on in her career. We then begin the tips and tricks segment with talking about how she personally navigated the process but also what she now knows being on the other side of recruiting. Some of these specific topics that we'll be diving into are first, just the key questions and research you should address before entering the process. Second, how athletes can maximize their time and impact in networking conversations with what we're calling as the three point rule. And then lastly, just some LinkedIn and resume tips that will provide some considerations in how you're crafting your story. So overall, this is a great insightful conversation, get a notepad, and check back in next week for part two.
1: Um, well, things are going good. Um, so I graduated from Cornell in about 2019,
0: <laughs> I always say that's I graduated right. last year. I'm like, I did not graduate last year anymore.
1: Right, <laughs> and that's the weirdest thing I have to stop saying. Like, oh, I just graduated. are like, no, it's been no, a year.
0: <laughs> <I did not. laughs> exactly. Um, yeah,
1: but I, so I graduated in 2018 um, in biology and society with a major, and then my minors were in social inequality. So from there, I moved down to DC, and I took a role as a HR. Um, Rotation of Program Associate for Capital One, um, which has been really exciting. Um, got to work in compensation for, like, the first nine months of my role, and I'm currently doing staff recruiting um, and supporting a lot of senior specialist roles, um, single, senior legal specialist roles, and then um, a couple accounting roles as well, um, and doing some project management on the side um, with some talent acquisition events for the audit group. So um, get a lot of different touches um, within the groups. Um, and a lot of just cool experiences, um, got, get to work closely with the business on a lot of unique projects and, um, roles. So really exciting.
0: Cool. I love to hear that. So take us back to Cornell. Tell us about your time on the team. We played against each other for four years. Pretty, I mean, (laughs) honestly, I was out on the wing, so we weren't guarding each other like that, but you know, we're familiar with each other, but just for, for my knowledge and my insight and everybody listening right now, how, how were your four years at Cornell?
1: Yeah, my four years at Cornell were definitely challenging, but um, overall rewarding. Um, I think any person that kind of does Ivy and then let alone a student athlete there definitely understands like the pressure that just being high achievers, we put on ourselves to kind of show up and and do our best in every aspect of whatever we're doing. So definitely takes a toll on you, but at the same time, like to look back and see that all that I did and all that I accomplished um, the teammates that I met, the friends that I met, um, just how involved I was able to be outside of the athlete community, um, and as a social life, as well as like, just honestly feeling like I had a normal college experience until yeah. I like talked to other people and I'm like, oh, no, nope. <laughs> that was very sports. <laughs> like, oh, you didn't work out six hours a day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> didn't um,
0: spend eight but hours but overall, the
1: right. <laughs> like you
0: weren't up at <laughs> <laughs> Can't relate. <laughs>
1: um. Right. <laughs> right but overall um definitely challenging mentally physically emotionally but the growth that i saw in myself and and I think especially now a year out and being able to understand just all that that was preparing me for for corporate America and and just things that you see day in and day out and, and really just having that worth ethic um I definitely appreciate everything that was instilled in me and of course like the friendships i made that have Continue to just grow and blossom as we like go into our different walks of life and career paths, and seeing people just do phenomenal things one year out of college. And whether they're going back to school or excelling in their own field, um, it's definitely like looking back, it's definitely worth all the like blood, sweat, and tears that went into the experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to you know get deep here, but like you you mentioned growth a lot in your response just now. What were what were some of those things that you realized? I guess either coming in that you were this came out as that, or was it just more so of like a fluid process throughout your four years? Can you share more on that?
1: Yeah, I think there was overall just a fluid process. Um, I think personally, I just experienced a lot of burnout by my senior year. Like once again, that pressure that you put on yourself. So that was something that coming out of school, I really wanted to like check what my worth ethic was and like how to make sure I kept, you know, as I go into a highly competitive program, um, how do I make sure that, you know, I have that worth ethic, but I'm also checking in on myself a lot more often. That was something that was really big for me that I think early in like school, I had a really good handle on, but towards the end, it definitely became a lot harder to do. So um, that was just something that, for me was really important to like keep a focus on and, and to continue. Like I used to think about growth, you know, I always want to, you know, if I'm stagnant, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, you know, really looking for what could be doing better. So really like, okay, great. I have a worth ethic. I have all these things that I got. Where can I go next? And I think just making sure that I was checking on myself along the way is something that I wanted to incorporate as you just continue to do more and go further and, and put more things on your plate. Um, I think it's easy to kind of get lost in the weeds of things if you don't take a breather to check in on yourself.
0: That is so true. And honestly, I I know when we were chatting before this, we were just talking about burnout um, and how it's so easy to keep going, going, going without taking a step back. And as you just mentioned, checking where you're at. Where's your head at? Where mm-hmm. are you personally, and how are you evolving with it? Um, I, I think, especially growing up as a student athlete, you're used to hate. You're, you're used to being able to do it all, right? But at yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know that's that's a strength. Um, but also take that strength with a grain of salt and be careful in how it evolves. And it will remain one, but you know, just gotta check in on yourself. So that's a hundred percent true. Definitely resonate with that one. Let's talk a little bit more about your off court experience and kind of how it's relating to where you're starting now. So, I know you studied biology and society while in undergrad, starting your career in HR. Can you kind of tell us how those two tie together? How did that come about?
1: Yeah, great question. It's actually like one of my favorite questions to answer and one that I get a lot. actually like at work yeah um for me my major it's really confusing because like people just hear your biology they're like oh, okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, wait That's a minute <laughs> what,
1: yeah cell biology things like that but um really what I focused on in my major was the and society part so it's a really mm. interdisciplinary studies type of major so not only are you learning like cell biology and um different aspects of ecology and Things that are, you know, the structures within biology, but you also then take it a step further and you really try to understand like how society impacts these things. So, um, how science is impacting society, how society is impacting science. The example that I love to give is like I took a class called Plagues and People. Um, So, not only did you learn not like what viruses attack the body and how they attack the body and like internally what that looks like at a cellular level, but then you understood. The geo, uh, socioeconomic, um, and geopolitical things that went into um, why these small bugs became pandemic, epidemics, um, what kind of structure in society existed that allowed for these um, instances to really like maximize or optimize. So, really understanding that these things, like society, race, gender, socioeconomic status, Um, historically and currently aren't isolated things from science or technology. Like, there's a very clear, tangible evolution of these things. So, overall, I fell in love with the process of thinking about that. Not necessarily one specific area. I took classes kind of all over um, in different schools and different courses, um, different walks of life. But, overall, what kind of kept me engaged the most and most excited was really thinking about how people impact different aspects of society and how society impacts those and, and, and then bringing in different, just kind of the intersection of it all and really just understanding things individually and then how they interact together. So that's a very long winded answer. But the way that I think about that in HR is for me, I always love the idea of just being a people centric person, someone who grew up on teams, um, someone who's just naturally empathetic and caring and and loves being around people I always get stuck on like, okay, well, how do you, you know, organizations influence their people and how do you people, how do teams work to build organizations? That was kind of what struck me about HR. And that really engaged me when I was kind of doing my early um, research onto like what I would find interesting as a career path. Um, And I think Capital One specifically does a lot of work in really reimagining and innovate, like thinking really innovatively about how to, um, understand the connection between the you two, know, like that relationship, and and kind of understanding, okay, what as an organization do we need to make our associates happy, and you know what is going to kind of encourage them to work as innovatively as possible and diverse as possible, so that we can like build the best brand and the best company possible. So um, I always just find that type of thinking really engaging, and um, HR was a great way to kind of mend my personal passion of- people and, and that type of thinking about, you know, how to innovatively create change and impact, um, all together in one kind of small area.
0: Wow. I can hear, I can hear your like passion for it, like as you're, as you're talking (laughs) about it. And that's so funny because when, when I saw that you studied biology and society, I was like, okay, but honestly, that sounds like exactly what I studied in undergrad in sociology as you were describing Mm -hmm. it. We started off as like, okay, okay. And then you were talking about, you know, how people are impacted by society and the the reverse and then how structures intertwine with that and impacting people and that whole consumer first, people first mantra. And I was like, wait, this is literally exactly what I studied <laughs> in sociology. It's just phrased differently at Cornell. And, um, you know, it's also my passion point as well. So that's, it's, I think we have a lot of the same passion points here and I think, it's interesting to think about how those can come about in different ways from a career perspective. So you're talking about how organizations impact people. And I think within the same framework, what I loved about sociology was how brands impact people. So it's just, it's interesting to think about that, how like within the same studies, it can come across the same way from a career perspective. So that's dope to hear. Um, Talk to us a little bit more about the HR field. So so and that, that question really means what does it encompass um, and what common misconception of the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was gonna say I think a lot of people have a really big misconception about HR, including myself <laughs> when I first started. Um, I think when you think about what it you know it to be, it's very much. Oh, the people kind of like just writing in the back, like signing paychecks and that really old school idea of what HR is. It's like back office function where it's really you only go to when you need something. It's really more of a reactive type of role um, and and really just kind of pushing papers, just making sure policies are through and and nothing happens, but everything runs smoothly. Um, It is so much more than that. And I've had a great time, especially in my company learning that and just learning all the unique spaces within HR. Um, so, of course, you have your um, typical roles of your compensation, your recruiting, um, talent acquisition, uh, people analytics, um, and so much more. But for the way that I like to think about it is, it's really understanding the experience and breaking down what, like, the experiences are within an associate's time with the company. So, thinking all the way from your first interaction, so, you know, for campus students, um, kind of your on-campus experience to your um, kind of on-site experience when you're interviewing, so your overall candidate experience, and then coming onto the team, your onboarding experience, coming into the um organization and then your experience as like a new hire and then you're there for a couple years and your experience growing your career and developing like within each of those pockets of uh, experience there's teams that are like thinking about every process that you as an associate touch and how to make it the most impactful streamlined um well thought out and and simplified version of itself um, which I love because, once again, as someone who wants to be in that really creative space and really thought-provoking space of how do we do things better, how do we think about what society is driving and, and what the structure of society is, and, and how do we make sure that people are enjoying their experiences within these process, um, it's kind of right at that intersection of, of the thought space that I like to be in. And it's really innovative, and it allows for a lot of creativity and diverse thought. Um and and so it, it allows for HR to be so much more than just your compensation and just kind of pushing things through a process, but really a lot of process improvement and, and thinking about kind of what more do people need? When you think about how like multifaceted people and complex people are, um, when you really start to look into those micro moments that matter for people as individuals. So like when you're a candidate, that's a very important experience of you know going through an interview process and then kind of on the flip side thinking about what we can do as a company to make sure that you're having the best experience possible. So um, for me, HR is like just an endless possibility of things, especially in a company that embraces that. If you have a thought, if you have ideas, if you want to see something created within a program, um, they really give you the insight to go ahead and do that because they want to make sure that you know every customer, every client, every, Candidate has that phenomenal experience. Um, you know that's what HR is there for—to make sure that everyone's there and is and happy and, and feeling like they need what they need out of their workplace.
0: And I love what you just said in that part of going to a company that embraces it, and you can really just tell mm-hmm. me you're enjoying your experience at Capital One. But I think that just speaks to the importance of understanding. You know, you knew you had a passion for this field, and you align that with a company. That equally valued it, and I think that's really important because it can definitely lift and shift and, and change in meaning dependent on what company it is. Um, so that's great that to to hear that Capital One really has that emphasis on giving that creativity to HR. Talk to us about your first year at Capital One and just kind of the the lowdown on the two rotations that you had. What type of work were you doing?
1: Yeah, um, awesome. So my first rotation was um, as a commercial compensation consultant. So that type of work was very much looking at our commercial bank roles and and structuring their pay and um really a more process driven role. So we I came in right around the time of our year end process. So just really project planning and owning work streams and and making sure that you know budgets align. Like once again a really complex role. I I think I went into compensation. I like when I got my rotation. I think I googled like what is compensation. Like I didn't (laughs) fully understand what all could be done in that field <laughs> and very quickly learn just how many stakeholders, um, you know, people's pay is one of probably the most important things that associates care about. And so every little detail as to, you know, when you get your raise, when you get your end of year bonus, like what is the experience of the piece of paper that you're looking at? Like that is something that we worked on as a project, as a team, of really re- like looking at kind of all the data that we were giving and how do we make this experience as transparent as possible? How do we make sure that people understand why they're being paid and and knowing that the, you know, they're paid fairly and at market value, um, you know, pay equity um, coming into play there. So um, really touching a lot of different spaces within that role. The, The team that I was on was mostly aligned to the commercial bank. So we, um, we didn't work on as many of the projects. There's a lot of other teams that work specifically on, like, pay equity and um, some of the deeper analysis that go into some of the markets, but we were really aligned to um, our commercial line of business and making sure that they're paid to market um, and then running their year and processes, which was a really, really cool experience. Um, switching gears, I'm now a staff recruiter um, in our talent acquisition group, so Oh, my broader team handles all staff functions. So when you think about the horizontal function, um, not necessarily the lines of business for Capital One. Um, so what that means is I work more on kind of an enterprise level, not necessarily aligned to a line of business, but I own the senior legal specialist role for Capital One currently. Um, so if, you know, someone in the retail, someone in legal that supports the retail bank NISA team, um, or me, the individual, they'll reach out to me and I'll kind of work with them and get the candidate profile that they're looking for and, and the rec and, and, put that online. And then I'll go out into the market and, um, try to find a candidate that, um, matches that, um, profile essentially and matches the qualifications that they're looking for. Um, so that's also really cool. Um, I think recruiting, is definitely something that I'm always shocked just once again, all the processes that go into bringing someone into the company and how many stakeholders, how many partners you have to work with. Um, You know, not only sometimes having to sell the client on the role or the candidate on the role, but then having to sell the candidate to the hiring manager. um, A lot of cool, interesting processes, a lot of like little thought that goes into these like moments of interacting and, and mm-hmm. just giving a great candid experience. That's something that we definitely drive home and, and something that I take to heart as well as, you know, understanding the weight that like the, this role brings. Um, I definitely think recruit it, it's very really easy to like not understand the backside of like what being a recruiter means, but um, you know, it is a heavy job sometimes when you are that kind of gateway between a, a role for someone and, um, and then like uh, even the opportunity to see that role and not. And so um, I take that really to heart when I when I do my job, which um, is a good balance, um, balancing act, just in terms of not internalizing too much, but also making sure that you're giving that good candidate experience. And I always kind of just think to myself, like, how would I want to hear that news? How would I want to respond to that news? Um, and really making sure that I kind of give that to every candidate that I interact with
0: great to hear how you take into consideration your personal experience, which I love to touch on before kind of getting into these tips and tricks here. And what I, what I mentioned to you and and when I reached out even is this time for student athletes, especially it is like zero to like one hundred and fifty. Like you come Mm -hmm. back, (laughs) you've been on campus for two seconds, you're in preseason. And then it's like the emails start coming in, the career services start coming in and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, and honestly <laughs> yeah. like as as basketball players like we were in preseason, navigating this as a fall athlete when you're in the midst of it like i I can't even imagine. so kudos to them mm-hmm. but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I I saw some of my volleyball player friends deal with it. It did not look fun um but you know it's it's tough to nav- navigate, but I do want to start with your experience. Can you talk to us about how you approach recruiting? while you were at Cornell?
1: Yeah, I can. Um, and in full-time charity, I was nervous. (laughs) Yeah. Especially, I stayed my past few years on campus. So, you know, I didn't engage with, like, the, um, internship process as a junior, which, like, was something that I went into, like, oh my god, I'm behind the curve. (laughs) Um, but overall, um, I just went and networked a lot um I I just kind of would just put myself out there as someone who just knew ideally of what I was looking for for me I really emphasized once again the culture was something that was the most important to me going into the process of making sure that it was a company that aligned to what I was looking for and I could do something that was super engaging and, and just get a great experience out of um, with some of my top priorities um so overall like when I went into the networking space like that's what was matter to me, not necessarily what the role was or what I would be doing, but really learning as much about the company and about people's experience in the company were a lot of the questions that I geared myself geared um, towards whoever I was talking to in the moment. So, um, you know, whether that was how did they feel about the company? How did, you know, really one is the more so personal anecdote. Um, rather than the role specifically that I was applying for, um, especially because I ended up applying for a lot of rotation programs, which, you know, you don't really know what you're going to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a I'm little right. bit of a guessing game behind that. Um, and, and so, yeah, a lot of the times that I would just walk into um, networking, networking, the way that I thought about networking was a lot of just getting as much personal anecdote about the, company as possible so that I can really understand you know it's really easy for a company to say like oh we value our associates and this culture but wanted to really hear from the recruiters from um, the associates on campus if that was something that held true um, and, and, and that they felt in their careers and that they felt supported because I think when you have that support system in place and you feel as though you want to show up and you want to be engaged and you want to do you know well in these spaces it makes the job so much easier and it makes the experience so much better and before i even came into like capital one and and learned even more about that type of work it was just something that i felt was important um so i think like the best way that i can round this off is saying like really understanding what you want to prioritize out of like the first early stages of your career you know, if you really understand what you want, it's very easy to navigate that space because there's a lot out there and, and you know, not every experience is going to be for you. So it's really important to know, um, you know, what you want and like go and find that because there's a lot of great roles that were out there. But I definitely think Capital One has the, the culture aspect that I really, really was, was looking for, which is why I ended up, you know, selecting this role for myself.
0: That is really important in what you just said to think about the people and hear about the experiences. Um, because as you, as you just mentioned, and I think what, what's important to think about is, especially if you're going to a rotational program, coming in, you're only going to be in that one role for a year. You may not know what the role is going to be. You may not know what the role after that's going to be. So just thinking even more holistically in what you just said, like looking at it more full picture, what are the people like? what is a support system like, like that's equally important. And honestly, I, I think some people, or honestly, I think I even thought about it, um, my junior year before my internship program kind of thought about it role by role. Um, but I think each networking event, each internship, I learned to start kind of thinking about what's the full picture in that, because that's what your Mm -hmm. day-to-day looks like. So that's great to hear. Um, What do you obviously what you can share? (laughs) What do you (laughs) what do you now know being on the other side? Is there anything that when you got to the other side of of recruiting now that you're like, oh, okay, like, this is actually how it goes. Um, And I wish I knew this when I was going through it
1: yeah i think i didn't really fully understand the weight that networking had and just having those like small interactions meant i think it's like especially when you see it at such a large scale as like a career fair and you go in and everyone just ha- has their resume and it's so hustle and bustle um i think you forget that the people on the other side of this are you know people <laughs> and, and humans and and this is their job so it's not just, like, they are looking for, they're not just going to, you know, meet as many people as possible and then go back and, and not really think about the people that are met. Like, you
0: you really do have
1: an impact on the people you meet, like, no matter how small, no, no matter how big, no matter, no matter where it goes. Um, really understanding that is important um, because I don't think I fully just understood, like, how much. Me having a five minute conversation met to someone until I came into the company it was like, "Oh, I remember meeting you yeah. at this event," and I was like, "Oh, oh okay." Like my brain. <laughs> um, but I think the the flip side of that is like when you go into those spaces, really being genuine and authentic goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that, especially once again in that hustle and bustle of a career fair. Um, it's very easy to just kind of get straight to the point, and you got class the next moment, and or you have whatever you have going on, and you want to meet as many people as possible. Um, but really, just taking five minutes to have like a very genuine conversation has a lot more of an impact. And I used to always start my like introductions off with of, like, "How are you?" Yeah, <laughs> which didn't seem. You know, it's so small, but when you get someone talking about themselves, it's easy for them to remember that conversation, remember that face, remember that name. Um, And then you have an antidote to when you reach back out of, oh, I I really enjoyed my time chatting with you about this specifically. So then Mm -hmm. even if they have happened to met like a hundred people that day, um, they might just be able to recall that, you know, people remember stories so much more than they remember um, information or, you know, like a resume. Um, So if they can, you can recall that story for them, they'll definitely like have that impact that could, you know, make that difference in, Um, going from just having your resume through the door to getting, you know, that first interview or getting that first phone call.
0: Yes. And I think the what stuck out to me is like, these are like moments of interaction. There's so much stimulus. There's a lot of people, there's a lot, you know, lots of resumes flying. And what I literally was always so triggering about recruiting to me is like the huddle, like that, like Mm -hmm. that big circle around one recruiter. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. Like, Let's let's think about this tactically, but I mean for for athletes, and I think what we want to get into here, and we can kind of go into this, this tips and tricks segment now. It's mm-hmm. even trickier when it's in this upfront here. It's all about these quick moments of interaction and and making the impact in the time that you have, and often it's networking events during your practice or you're you're missing the networking portion you only miss the panel there's coffee chats during practice and I remember you know scrolling trying to find coffee chats and all of them were (laughs) in that two to five time frame I'm like all right I guess that's just not happening like on to the next one but you know I I think what I want to talk about here is how can athletes make the most of the time that they have with these limited touch points so what you just mentioned, and those follow-ups, or prioritization, or prioritization, how you're having the conversation. Is there anything that you did specifically while you were going through recruiting, or anything that you can think of now that is important to keep in mind when you only can make this event, you can only go to that coffee chat, what should you be thinking about? Yeah, no, that's great.
1: I think the biggest thing to think about is just, once again, how to have the most impact in such a short amount of time um, and so the way that I really thought about it is I definitely had like my three-minute spiel that I somehow managed to no matter what was said I just knew that got I was it in to there. Get three <laughs> things across in a very short amount of time one of them being that I'm a co-captain for a team two of them being like why, once again, understanding I was going into a, a space where my, you know, especially Cornell has the ILR school, which is typically like where they recruit for HR roles. And I was a bio major in Cal. Right? <laughs> how does that react? Like, how does yeah. how does my resume really stand out amongst that? And when you ask yourself that question, really find an answer. And so that's what I really would do. Um, so once again, I would start off with like, how are you like, oh, well, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your company and doing some pre-research. So Capital One, I, you know, changed banking for good. I had their little snippets, uh, their, uh, snippets in my mind already. And I had already pre-thought about how that aligned to what I knew I wanted, what I knew that I brought to the table and my skill set. And, you know, I was going into an area that's people-centric. Naturally, I can always find a way to talk to the Han pizza centric because I worked on a team. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was a very easy transition. So, um, my, my, um, what I would recommend. is is really doing that pre-work before going into those spaces. So then when you go into the spaces, it's automatically you kind of get to your quick hitters as fast as possible. And once again, just have that, like, as much of the impact as possible. So people can get as much of your story as possible in such a short amount of time um, is really the best way to maximize it. The, you know, the, the downside about, you know, being an athlete is that timing of especially, as you mentioned, that fall side, you don't get to engage as much in the recruiting process as others may have the opportunity to. Um, but I don't think it means that you can't be as impactful. I think you just you have to be a little bit more intentional about how you use that time um, and, and how you think about, um those moments and those impacts. Like I was just straight to the point, like, you know, I would go to an inflammation session and, and, you know, right afterwards I would just straight up to whoever I thought <laughs> I could relate to the most and say like, Hey, and of course, genuine, I think for me, the biggest thing is genuine. Um, because the first thing that I think about when I meet someone is what I want to work with this person, you know, like when you only have such a short instance to judge someone and, and really get a read off of someone. It's not, they're not looking much, or at least they're not in all fields in HR, at least they're not really looking for, to get your technical skills, like as fast as possible. That first question is, you know, what I want to work with this person. Like, you know, is, was that a pleasant conversation that I would want to learn more about them Um, and more of those soft skills come through than the technical skills. And then, you know, that's really just to get your foot in the door to a next conversation and, and, and and being transparent about, oh, I'm an athlete and I have a very busy schedule and, and really explaining that to people too because I feel like sometimes athletes don't want to, like, talk about the fact they athlete or just how busy their schedule is. And I used to tell people all the time, I'm like, look, I, I can only come to this. I actually just ran from practice. I'm, you know, so sorry I'm late. I have to go run to the gym, you know, just telling them in, in a very poised way. But in doing that, it, it was just the authentic truth. And, and then it would be like, you know, hi, I, you know, thank you so much. I ran off for practice to come here, but I'm happy I had the opportunity to reach out to you. Would you like to chat more? Um, so I think just being as authentic to your story as possible. It, it, it's, there's definitely ways to maximize and optimize that experience to really have a lasting
0: impact enough to get your foot in the door. Yes, I think it's always <laughs> such a good reminder because I, I think what you hear so much nowadays is like, know your personal brand, know your story. And be able to craft mm-hmm. that, being able to craft it is the next step. But even, it's, it's like being able to craft it based on who your audience is and based on the situation. So what you were just talking mm-hmm. about is you have X amount of time. You have condensed time and not as much as the next person. So what are the, what's the ABC that someone needs to know about you? And it's great to have your story, but really make sure you're hitting on those key points. And I think what mm-hmm. you were just talking about, it, it takes a little bit more reflection, like do do, mm-hmm. do a little bit more research a little bit more reflection on what you want what matters to you and how those two match up um, and and you can really get those across so that's that's really great insight and then also the working smarter not harder <laughs> that's, right. that's that's something you know I, I think is even important now in terms of Making sure you're intentional in how you move and how you operate, um, but I think that's something—it's something that you're used to um, within these four years. But just applying that to this recruiting time frame, it doesn't—it makes it less stressful because it's something that you're already doing. Let's talk. Right. About- and- oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry
1: just to follow up the one other thing I would say is also get people LinkedIn. Like, Like, yes. I definitely started engaging with that <laughs> yes. more now. I think I wish I would use that a little bit more in my recruiting process, but too. I was um, definitely <laughs> reach out to LinkedIn. Like, that's a great tool, especially if you don't have time to be there in person. Um, it's a great way to make an impact and you know, all your information's there and they can just skim through and see that you're an athlete and, and that kind of already can open another door. Um, so definitely if you don't have time to read things with people, just say, Hey, can I just get your LinkedIn or can I add you on LinkedIn? And and that can, you know, lead to at least a, still a tangible line of connection.
0: I have a question for you on that because we actually just posted <laughs> on our Instagram tonight, where does your athlete live in your resume? So where, like, is it in leadership? Is it in work experience? Is it a small bullet point under your extracurriculars at school? But specific to LinkedIn, what what do you think? Like, where where's yours personally? First of all, and then where have you seen it on different athletes that are requesting you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a little bit different. Um, honestly, I'm still trying to. Tr- I'm like trying to think about it right now. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, I'm pretty sure mine is. I put it under professional experience, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's where it should go. (laughs) Um, But I want people to, I really put, you know, a lot of weight on that experience. Um, And I think, you know, this is an ongoing conversation of, you know, what that means, what it means to be an athlete and, and just how much weight that should carry. And I think it might change a little bit. As I get further into my career, I might not have it as highlighted, but I think coming out of college, I was just always told and I always internalized just how much being an athlete really has tangible professional work experience. So I always use the example of like my analytics go. I didn't take an analytics class in college. I am just someone that naturally analyzes things. But what I did do was spend hours analyzing film. I've spent years analyzing my game and others' games and, you know, learning mm-hmm. other systems and figuring out how that works. And so, like, that's a skill. Like, right. <laughs> I think people people forget that and lose hindsight of that because it's like, oh, they're an athlete. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I can break, I can look at a game and break down everything that's happening to you in a way and see the floor in a way that a lot of people can. And like, that's a skill in and of itself that, um, you know, it takes people with years of professional experience to experience, like, to see that big picture and, and understand like the context that it is such a transferable skill set. So I go ahead and put that right up in my professional experience. Bump that right up there. <laughs> right, right up there, my leadership skills that came from it. Um, but once again, I think it's really like, holding weight to that. Sometimes people don't want to be more than an athlete, and I think you can be more than an athlete, but I also think it's important to really understand, you know, just how much actually going through those experiences is carries the weight than, like, what you can learn in the classroom, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you can learn how those skills and what that's to do, but, you know, sitting and doing that day in and day out every day and practicing that, um, It definitely is something that's tangible, and and it goes very far in the workplace because you already have experience doing it.
0: Exactly. All right, so with that said, bringing it back to just the the person-to-person level at these events, I know you mentioned briefly that in these initial stages, employers are looking for the soft skills, the intangibles. What, is, what does that mean? Can you can you dive a little bit deeper into that? What what are employers checking for in candidates in these eye-to-eye interactions? Yeah, awesome. Um,
1: like I mentioned, I think the biggest thing is, like, the question is to act of, you know, is this someone I want to work with? Um, I think you can tell so much just about how people engage very early on. Um, I, I'll speak specifically to the HR field because that's, Where I have the most experience Um, in HR, you really want to see kind of the humility, empatheticness, compassion, understanding. So honestly, a lot of times when I'm reading someone about like how they're approaching, it, you know what is their eye contact, what is their body language, Um, you know what are even what are the questions they're asking me, like what do they want to see about me, what are they worried about, what are they interested in, are you know are they coming out and asking about compensation within the first couple minutes. Um, You know, what do they first start to think about? So, there's really not, unfortunately, there's not a science to it. And I think um, what you realize is every recruiter is a little bit different. But for me, I think someone who can read me very quickly and read what I'm interested in and it helps like make that conversation as natural as possible, I think have the great thought skills of what like we would look for in an HR associate almost. Um, so, like, it's almost that like natural connection. I think. Um, in more technical roles um, that's a little bit different. They do want to see more of like the experiences that you have and um, your interest in the role. but I think overall people are always just looking for people that want to be more than just about the role or more about just kind of straight to the business but really want to learn about the company want to ask questions about your experience and, and want to come in and like kind of change or like create impact. Um, so they're really asking questions that can drive that and and, and really show that they put a lot of thought into and research into the company, not just, Oh, I just want to learn a little bit more, but I think the people who really stand out are people who come um, a little, with a little research done with a little bit understanding of what that company values and then kind of really speaking to it. So I kind of talked about my experience doing that and and that might just be because that's how I am and that's how I perceive it. Um, But overall, I think it's really like clear When someone has done that research and someone actually is very genuine about, you know, finds that alignment to the company and and really sees themselves there and and wants to learn more because um, they really think that they could fit well in the role or fit well at the company versus someone that's um, more so just looking and getting feelers out, which is nothing wrong with that. That's also, you know, just a stage in the recruitment process. But I think if you're really, once again, trying to optimize that impact that you have in those moments, it's important to. Um, really important to understand what that company values and and
0: and kind of how to come across um with the right questions that engage that absolutely. I feel like we just went through a lot, <laughs> so we we just we just gave a lot of advice to current student athletes. But I guess if you had to say one more thing um, in terms of words of wisdom to current student athletes, how should they approach this recruiting season? What do you want them to know?
1: Um, awesome. Uh, I think what I would say, um, outside of market your skill sets, <laughs> like <laughs> this is this is a sales game, you know they don't know unless you say it, but speak power into like what you can do and, and bring that confidence because, you know, if you're showing me confidence, I'm confident in you. Right. <laughs>
0: um,
1: if you're, I have a lot of candidates who sometimes like, like talk down on their skill sets to me. I'm like, don't do that. Cause I wouldn't know that unless you told me that, um, really speak power into like what you can do and what you bring to the table and, and why you're a unique candidate. Um, I think people love to see that confidence in, um, you know, a candidate overall. Um, And the other thing I would say just for those of you who are going through the on-campus recruiting phase is to really, like, stay in your lane, like, don't worry about kind of where people are and and where people land and, and when or when you don't land the job, like, you know what for you will come to you and I think it's really easy to kind of look around and see what other people are doing and let that stress get to you um but you know if you don't get that first job if you don't get the job that you're looking for in the fall rotation they're still spreading like there's people who get their jobs after graduation there's nothing really wrong with the timing of that um so don't let that stress you out too much um and really, like, once again, prioritize what's for you and, and don't settle for anything that, you know, you're focused on the culture and you don't think that the role of has a great culture for you. They don't take the role just because you want to, you know, a role. Make sure it's right for you. Make sure um, it's the right timing for you. And, and you know, these first couple of years can have a really big impact on your career and just your work experience as a whole. So, um, I always emphasize just taking time to really think through what you want and, and not being afraid to speak on it and, and go get it and, and or waiting for it to come. You know, I think it's really important.
0: All right. Thanks for listening into this episode. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Stay connected. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts, DM us, or contact us on our website. Whatever is easiest. We want to know your feedback and what questions you have. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with more athletes, more perspectives, and more pro tips on the way.